you ask an endocrinologist and we're going to say that hormones rule the world and that <laughs> at, at any moment, the uh, hormones that are being exposed throughout the body have an impact on decision making and learning and memory and, and have actively contributed to the development of things like sex differences. Hi there. Welcome to the Mind Ram podcast. I'm Michael C. Patterson, and in this episode, I discuss sex differences in the brain with Dr. Jeff Darling. Jeff works for Life Molecular Imaging, working across the fields of neuroscience, neuroimmunology, and neuroinflammation. Jeff did his postdoctoral fellowship at the University of Texas at Austin and completed his PhD in neuroscience at Tulane University. At Tulane, Jeff studied with Jill Daniel, the director of the Tulane Brain Institute, who is also a leading researcher on sex differences in the brain. Jeff's experience with studying how women's brains differ from men's brains caught my interest, and I asked what drew him to that particular field of study. Yeah, I think that's a, a great question. So, so the long story short is, I was uh, I was in a learning and memory class that I was just taking as an elective at mm. Tulane University. I did my undergraduate and graduate career at Tulane, and Jill Daniel was the professor, and it was an interesting class. She was talking about sex differences and learning and memory and capacity to measure things like uh, uh, learning and memory with within animals and in humans. And I remember at the very end of a class, she said, hey, if anyone's interested in research, if you're thinking about med school or if you're thinking about law school, having research on your resume is, is a boon on your applications. So mm. think about it. And then I walked up to her after class and said, hey, I don't know anything about research. I don't know what you do, but it sounds like a good gig. So sign me up. And you know, <laughs> she kind of brushed me off and said, hey, you got to know a little bit more about my lab than that if you're going to try and work for me. So, but, but, you know, do well in my class and we'll see what happens. And I ended up, I think, getting 100% on the next test, thankfully. Uh, otherwise, she probably would have said no. Right, right. <laughs> but she invited me into her lab and, and I think the rest was kind of history. So I asked Jeff how he would characterize the difference between men's and women's brains. It's, it's complicated and again, lots of disagreement. So, so when you talk about sex, you, you kind of start with this top down where you, you start with chromosomal sex, X, Y, X, X. That leads to a differentiation of gonads. So then you have gonadal sex, ovaries versus testes. That in turn leads to differences in hormone production. So a difference right. in hormonal sex. That in turn leads to a difference in protein production and number of neurons within a particular structure, differences in receptors. And so when we talk about sex differences, there's a few things to take note in that um, gender and sex are different things. There's chromosomal sex versus mm. our ideas of gender. Um, and, and secondly, that even within biological sex, there is a spectrum and there's variance and there's from a protein level, a cellular and molecular level, there are differences. It's hard because the predominant amount of work that's been done in sex differences has been done in animal models. It's mm -hmm. a lot easier. It's a lot more accessible. Um, the basic scientists have been looking at sex differences for, for decades. My knowledge dates back to, you know, 2008, where predominantly animal studies were what you went off of for the mm -hmm. discussion of sex differences. Now there's new data that's more advanced than where my brain currently resides. I can answer it better. But what I can say is often there's discordance 
in animal literature and human literature based off of what sex differences exist. So just because you see a sex difference in a structure in a mouse or a rat does not mean you would see something similar in a human. I think that's important to say, but there's a vast array of replicated results showing things that are different. So within the brain, for example, there are regions where you might see differential expression in the number of neurons in a structure for male versus female brain. Uh, there's differences in receptor counts. There's differences in strategy and learning. Um, so there's this test called the Morse water maze where you have uh, a tank, you fill it with an opaque liquid, um, and there's an escape platform in it. And then you drop a mouse in and the mouse will swim along, search, search, search. They'll find the platform, hop on the platform and they're happy, right? Because, you know, a mouse doesn't want to swim forever. And then you time it and then you might uh, take the mouse out, rotate the tank drop them back in, time them again, see how long it takes them. And in theory, if they've learned where the platform is, they'll escape faster, right? And what we can do is we can compare male and female mice. We can add uh, structures around the tank that are cues to help them navigate themselves and and test to see whether learning strategy differences uh, that exist. And what studies have shown is if you put a male mouse and a female mouse in a tank, the male mouse is much more likely to use spatial cues so like a a sign on a wall and and he'll swim towards that direction because that's where Mm -hmm. he knows the escape platform is versus a female mouse is much more likely to remember oh well when i jumped off the platforms and turned to the right that's where the escape platform was and those utilize very different structures within the brain um, which tells you that on a cellular and molecular level there are some differences that are going on between decision making paradigms Women and men have different hormones, uh, and hormones affect how our brains work. What's going on on there? So, so it's an interesting question in that when we when we think of of hormones, we think men testosterone, women mm-hmm. estrogen. But the reality is, is those hormones are much more similar than you think, and we're mm-hmm. both actively producing both hormones. In fact, you know, androgen is converted into estrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that it's all about developmental time points. When are those hormones exposed, which helps in sexual differentiation of the brain, setting a, a brain off into one direction or the other? You ask an endocrinologist, and we're going to say that hormones rule the world. And that <laughs> at, at any moment, the uh, hormones that are being exposed throughout the body have an impact on decision making and learning and memory and, and have actively contributed to the development of things like sex differences actively contribute to inflammation, aging. It's a definitely, I think, an underlooked component of a lot of, of diseases and disorders. Yeah. And uh, hormone expression, how it relates to cell function, how it relates to just overall brain health. Um, it, menopause, for example, that's a very large change hormonally for the body to undergo. And right. one that coincides with an increased risk for dementia onset. So clearly there's something with estrogens Um, playing a role in terms of overall function of cells within the brain, within the body um, that needs elucidated on more than where we are currently today. What's the latest thinking there? Does does menopause make and the changes in the the hormone expression make the brain more vulnerable? I I don't know if vulnerable is the right word. I I think what you're just seeing is so so estrogens are important in learning and memory in general, in terms of memory formation, Mm -hmm. in terms of, of, of active learning. 
And when you lose that large source of that, then, then it's a complete rewiring of how mechanistically cells have to function. And I think any kind of change that's drastic like that leads to a next wave organizational change of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we think of organizational impacts of hormones, we think in gestation, when we're babies, when we're developing to some degree, puberty, where we have another large surge of hormones. And what we forget is that time periods like menopause also carry the significant change in hormones. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be a larger loss of exposure. And that with that comes some restructuring on a cellular level. And there's a swath array of literature that's um, examining the impacts of estrogens and androgens on organization in the brain. It's its own fascinating topic. I had recently come across a research article that suggested that it was necessary to consider sex differences and hormonal cycles in the design of pharmacological treatments. So I asked Jeff about that. Why would the same drug affect brains differently? I, I think that's a really interesting question. And so it, it kind of gets to that uh, nature versus nurture conversation and that we all grow up in different locations, different diets. Uh, we're exposed to different chemicals, be that you know air pollution or BPA coming from plastics. And as a result, we've all got very different expressions of our, our DNA So epigenetics is a field that discusses how environment doesn't change your DNA, but changes how it expresses itself, whether it's silencing some segments or releasing it in others. So like turning on a gene or turning off a gene. Yeah, exactly. And and as a result, drugs that impact us might impact us differently based Mm -hmm. off of factors such as that. And drugs interact with things like that. And so if we're differentially expressing receptors, for example, then a drug dose will differentially impact us as people. Mm-hmm. And so on a pharmacological level, different populations might react differently to the same drug, which is again, why it's important to have diverse studies in your populations, or I should say diverse populations within a study right. so that your drug, you you know, tested it in as many and wide array of people as possible. But I also think it's important for you know, these larger pharma companies who are developing therapeutics, you, you also want your drug to work for everyone, right? Right. It's also worth twice the amount of money if your drug is just as effective in men and women and young and old as it is just a single, you know, white male population. Am I correct that looking at sex differences in the brain can be a somewhat controversial uh, activity? Yes. <laughs> Fraught with uh, being vulnerable to criticism? Yes. And, and so the interesting thing about studying sex differences, mm-hmm. and, and I count myself as a fairly liberal person, so mm-hmm. I, I am one, of, to be honest, to say that it is a complicated and, and difficult subject, especially as we gain an understanding both societally, socially, and also in science. But it is to some degree, an important topic to discuss in the sciences because there are sex differences that exist in development, in diseases, in behavior. An interesting topic and controversial, not just because of of that, but also controversial in that scientists very often disagree with one another within Mm. those groups um, in terms of results. Uh, I'll give you an example. So in my graduate career, I was studying sex differences in impulsive and compulsive disorders. 
mm. and, and, and typing up my thesis and, and looking at just biological components that, that are stated as different between male and female brains. And in one publication, you'll see, well, males have a higher proportion of gray matter than females or vice versa. And, and another researcher will come back and say, well, no, when you take into account the size of the brain in general and just general mass, well, then that washes away that effect. Mm. And so then you have two different examples, all in how you look at it, where one says yes and one says no. And then you have people come back and say, well, what about rats and mice versus humans? <laughs> and, and, and it all gets very muddled, which is why the field, I would say, is making great progress because of these conversations, but is still hobbling along to some degree and explaining why we have some sex differences in things like Alzheimer's disease rates or Parkinson's, sclerosis. But the NIH, uh, well, now it feels like a decade ago, but the NIH made a mandate that if you are to receive a larger grant funded by the NIH, you need to include sex as a variable in your studies. And that alone has really expanded the field in terms of our understandings, because now we are looking at sex as a variable to include in our studies to ensure that we have the greatest proportion of subjects that are representative worldwide as, as we can. Well, as Jeff articulated, the discussion of sex differences in men's and women's brains is a difficult one for a variety of reasons. But it's, it's an important area of research nonetheless. And of course, the fact that our brains differ does not imply that one brain is better than another. I mean, just imagine how boring it would be if all our brains were exactly the same. You know, I like talking with Jeff because he not only does research and practical application of his learning, but because he also spends a good deal of time giving presentations about the brain, so he's able to talk about brain stuff in plain language. I also have two more podcasts featuring Dr. Jeff Darling. In one, we talk about neuroinflammation, how chronic inflammation affects our brains and our overall health. And we also have a podcast where we discuss the role of glial cells, the often neglected cells that make up arguably half of our active cells in our brains. Neurons get all of the attention, but I have long suspected that glial cells are actually running the show. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Live long and live well. <laughs>